I often hear people try to influence other people's karma by dedicating merits to teachers, parents, friends, sick and the dead. My understanding is that I am the owner of my karma and cannot influence other people's karma. Is this understanding correct? Kindly help clarify. So we should understand the spreading of loving kindness first. We spread loving kindness, metta, which is well-wishing to ourselves. May we be well and happy and to other beings as well and to all beings. So with the spreading of loving kindness first, we spread loving kindness to loved ones, our mother, father, siblings, our family, friends, those that we love. We spread loving kindness with a pure heart. Then there are the neutral beings, those to whom we have no particular affinity, no ill will either. We spread loving kindness to them. And the people that we have a disliking for some kind of negative relationship with, our metta is not ready for them yet, so don't spread loving kindness to them just yet. Because those people that we have a disliking for, if we think of them, then anger can arise right there. Once the loving kindness has a lot of strength and energy, then we're able to spread loving kindness to those beings as well. And then to all beings in the north, south, east, west, above and below, across the whole universe, up to the Brahma worlds, and all the way down to the hell realms. And we wish that all beings be well and happy, be free from suffering, be free from harm, free from ill will. This is well-wishing. This is loving kindness and compassion, part of the four divine abidings, the Brahma Viharas, that we must have in our hearts at all time. And if we spread loving kindness to the Krubhajan, to the great teacher, we should understand that this recollecting of the great teacher is a recollection of gratitude, but we're not yet uh, great enough or we're not yet uh, powerful enough to really give loving kindness to them. If the great teacher is having a difficult time and we think we have loving kindness and merit sufficient enough to help them, then this isn't actually the case. What it is, it's an expression of gratitude. So we have some peace of mind, some samadhi, some merit arise in the mind. And we think to give that loving kindness and merit to the Kubajan, the great teacher. We think that the great teacher will receive that loving kindness and merit and can uh, have some benefit, but that's not the case. That's not true. So if we give loving kindness to a friend who's sick, we wish that they be free from that illness. We use our strength of mind to wish them well. And if we, and we speak with a mind of loving kindness in our hearts as well. And so this is something we can do, it's not wrong. And if someone's passed away, then we wish that they be well and happy, free from suffering. We may not know if they're suffering. We may not know where they are or what their situation is. But all the same, we wish that they be free of suffering, that be, they be well and happy, 
And if they, whatever happiness they have, may that happiness increase more and more. So there's no harm in doing that. There's no drawback for us. And if the being who's passed away, if they are able to know about our well-wishing, then they can feel happy about it, to know that their loved one is thinking of them. And according to our belief, we believe that we are the owners of our kama, that's correct. And so we're not able to, to help other beings in that way. But we spread loving kindness, we spread compassion, and whatever, and in whatever being has something good, some kind of good fortune, we rejoice with them, have a heart of mudita, a sympathetic joy. But if the fruit of another being's karma has already reached them, and we're not able to help them, then we set our hearts in upeka, equanimity, which is also one of the Brahma Viharas. As we recollect that all beings are the owners of their karma, born of their karma, our heirs to their karma, whatever karma they do for good or for ill of that, they will be the heir. And that's true for ourselves as well. And so if we're unable to help another being, then we set our minds in upeka, equanimity. This question is about giving online reviews and feedback about my experience with poor quality products, food or service. My intentions are to share helpful feedback. However, I noticed a sense of self arises when I provide negative feedback. As a Dharma practitioner, is it best to let go of negative feedback as it does not bring joy to the world as providing negative feedback reinforces the sense of self? So first and foremost, a Dhamma practitioner should set their intention well to have loving kindness, to have loving kindness and compassion. So when we write a review of a food or product or service, and we think to write a review, so we can think if the giver of that service or the product or the owner of that business, if it was our family member or our close friend, then how would we think about this? What would we do? Usually our mind leans towards liking or disliking. Usually our mind is biased with fear or hate or attraction or repulsion. The mind usually inclines in these various ways. So we have to be careful because in our Dhamma practice, we practice in order to abandon and destroy the sense of self. So some things we see as bad, we write a review and then our mind feels sad, our mind is lacking loving kindness. But then there's the thought that we want to give benefit to others, we want others to know and understand about various points. But whatever it is that we should write according to truth as well and write in a way that doesn't, is not uh, malevolent. This is considered the cultivation of parami, the cultivation of spiritual virtues. And so the good result can arise or the, the benefit would that be that people understand about various things about whatever one writes. 
but we have to look at our own minds. If we have the sense of self, and then we can see that sometimes there's a lack of loving kindness or see if there's a lack of loving kindness there. And so if there is some kind of negative uh, perception towards a service or product, we can set the mind with upeka or equanimity. So this is speaking on Dhamma practice to a deeper level, the practice of equanimity. We see that all beings are the owners of their kama, born of their kama, whatever kama they do for good or for ill of that, they will be the heir. So we set our hearts with equanimity, not to like or dislike. And so we can also, if we just write our experience, we, uh, we try to write according to truth. But for a Dhamma practitioner, you can also, you can practice whatever you experience or observe or perceive just to let go, not to let the mind fall into liking or disliking. This is training the mind. And there was one venerable elder teacher, Lumpu Dino, which I believe translates to venerable father of, uh, isn't it good? And he would see uh, traffic and he'd say, oh, it's good. And he would see uh, whatever you would see, you would just say, oh, it's, it's good. And so this is a way to make our mind better, to make our mind higher. Because if our mind lacks samadhi, lacks peace and collectedness, it's not firmly established. We perceive something negative, and this can lower our mind, bring the mind down to feel sad. So we have to be careful about this. Observe the sense of self arising. See that sense of self that has a unwholesome state, a negative state arise. We remember that the Buddha taught to abandon all unwholesomeness, to cultivate the wholesome, to purify the mind. So we have to be very careful with this. And so we see that in our Dhamma practice, that the world is like this, that sometimes there's good things, sometimes there's bad things. That's normal for the world. So we practice equanimity. We try to do our practice to train our own minds. And if we look even more deeply, we see that there's no self there to be found. There's no me, mine, you or yours. In a food service, for instance, there's no one who gives the food. There's no one who receives the food. It's all empty. And when we see it that way, then all our problems come to an end. My samadhi is weak in daily life due to distractions and the thinking mind. Does this mean the core of my daily life practice should be focused in the wisdom aspect by reflections of dukkha, anicca, and anatta? So the quality of samadhi, firm establishment of mind, it's normal that when we go to work, we have duties to attend to, the mind proliferates where you receive various objects from the six senses, then the mind can end up proliferating too much. Then the samadhi is not well established, is not firm. So we have mindfulness, and we can know this, we can know that the samadhi is not firm, but the mindfulness is weak. 
we can say that the path factors sila samadhi and panya are weak in that moment and this gives rise to a busyness agitation of mind it can give rise to liking disliking uh, busyness a lot of thinking and these are things that make the mind sad or low in our daily life so we have to set aside time. For instance, when we wake up in the morning, we get enough rest, and then we set aside time to cultivate mindfulness and samadhi, to make samadhi firmly established, to give the mind strength and energy to compete with all the moods and sense impressions that the mind meets with in daily life in order to reduce the busyness and agitation of mind. And we can go to work, we can uh, eat lightly, and we can sit in meditation, and this can give energy and strength to the mind. Because all these moods and sense impressions we get during the day, they're all about the self. And so we need to remove or clear out that feeling of self from the mind sometimes. Just like all the information we get throughout the day, all the information, it's all related to self all throughout the day. So we have to have a time where we clear that information out, or we clear the mind, clear out the sense of self, at least sometimes. We try to make the mind peaceful. And if we can't do that, or if we're able to, to do that, then the busyness and distraction of the mind reduces. And one day we can sit in meditation, the mind is peaceful, the mind is empty, this is possible. And so all these moods and sense impressions that enter the mind, we have to clear them, wash them out of the mind some of the time. And we're able to contemplate impermanence, stress, and not self, to bring the mind to emptiness. For instance, during the day, we can set a timer to go off every 30 minutes. And when the timer goes off, we know that now is the time to wash out the sense of self from the mind. All the impressions from the six senses, we see them all as not self, see them as impermanent, suffering and not self. Then we're able to put them down, let them go, to let go of all the moods and sense impressions, to have mindfulness. Whatever happens during the day, people speaking, well or harshly and so on. And we set our minds to be with a meditation word like Bhutto, have mindfulness in the present moment, not to think distractedly here and there. Then that 30 minute timer helps us to establish mindfulness, to pull the mind back to the present. And so these and whenever these six sense impressions arise, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, mind, object, whenever they arise, we can contemplate them as impermanent suffering and not self. We can do this a lot. So may you set your heart on this, and one day uh, peacefulness is able to arise. This question is by an anonymous person. Dear Ajananan, I'm overly sensitive to rejection. If someone I am very inspired by or feel attracted to rejects me in any way, I feel too much dukkha and brings a lot of mental proliferation. Is there any way to make this feeling help the practice instead of just bringing the mind down as it does? 
Much gratitude for your answer. So first we can speak to people that wish us well, have loving kindness for us, like people we have uh, faith in or friend or family, they wish us well and sometimes they may speak straight with us or speak the truth, we can end up feeling bad. And if we're worried too much about this, then we can fix that in our own minds. We can ask, well, that which they spoke to us, did they, was it true what they said? So don't dislike it. Don't feel sad. Don't feel upset. But instead, set your mindfulness to take a look and see what they said. Was it the truth or not? To contemplate. And we can use that what they said to improve ourselves, to give us better understanding in the things that we do. Because the things that we do, we think that they're correct, but maybe they're not correct. So if someone criticizes or rejects us, then this could be something good that helps us to develop and improve in our work and life to become better. So don't worry too much about this. Don't suffer too much about it and see it as kilesa, see it as defilement it's coming from craving, this proliferation that doesn't cease. We can ask, well, do practitioners have this? And yes, all, all of us have this, all practitioners have this proliferation, have suffering, have dukkha. So seeing in this way, don't give up because you have to win you have to succeed. Sometimes living with a great teacher, with a Krubhajan, they praise us and we feel happy. And sometimes we feel uh, sad or worried about criticism because, and this is because of the sense of self, because we think we, are, we think our thoughts are self, we speak, it's the self that's speaking, it's the self that's doing. It's the self that's performing actions. There's self involved in everything. And in the beginning, it has to be this way. That's how it must be. And sometimes with regard to the kilesas, sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. When the path factors are stronger than the kilesas, then the path wins. When the kilesas are stronger than the path, the kilesas win. So we make effort and we try to abandon that which is unwholesome, cultivate the wholesome and purify the mind. We see that the worry in our own minds is the defilement, the kilesa in the mind, coming from ignorance and craving, proliferation, proliferation based on the self. So we can ask, well, where is that self to be found? Where is the, where is the other, where is the you to be found? When we see it all comes to anatta, to not self, the mind is empty. So try to do this and gradually it can improve. Because if you don't practice in this way, all you'll get is more suffering. But if we practice, then it can gradually reduce and get better. And then we can get to understand the mind and how it functions in relation to sense objects. And we can separate out the mind from the sense objects and the condition of the mind can improve so that the mind doesn't become too low from these types of experiences. <laughs> 